0: And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer.
1: Well, good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, and I am the dream business coach, and I have a really fantastic interview for you today. Dr. Angela Loria is the, um, she's the founder of the author incubator and creator of the difference process for writing a book that matters. Now, this is not going to be a big show about books. We're going to touch on that, but... One of the other reasons I wanted to um, invite uh, Angela on the program is we are kind of kindred spirits when it comes to wanting to use the leverage of having a team. So your dream business really can be a dream business and you're not just making money working 90 hours a week, but you can actually create a life that you want while you're still making an impact. So it's going to be good. The Author Incubator was ranked uh, 275 on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies and 87 on Entrepreneur Magazine's. Entrepreneur 360, Dr. Angela won the Stevie Awards Coach and Mentor of the Year. In her program, The Author's Way was named Coaching Program of the Year, and she was named by Entrepreneur Magazine as one of the top 10 most inspiring entrepreneurs to watch, one of only two women on the list, so kudos to her. Dr. Angela has been helping people free their inner author since 1994. I think what she means by that, she'll correct me, but so many people say, oh, I have a book in me. And I think she's probably pretty good at digging that book out. Her clients have been seen everywhere <clears throat> from Vanity Fair to O Magazine to the Today Show. And I'm just excited to have her on. How are you doing, Angela?
2: I am fantastic and so good to be here, Cap'n.
1: Thank you so much. You know, I've been doing my show for six years, and I often wonder. My wife Stephanie sometimes asks, "How will you know when it's enough is enough?" I said, "Well, a, when it stops working for me and connecting me with people, and b, when I stop having a good time doing it." Yeah. And, um, I've interviewed so many people, and um, just because of the way my schedule runs, I usually only have about three to five minutes for the green room chit chat. But uh, first of all, you're we're we're pretty close geographically speaking right now. You're in Washington D.C. and and uh, while you while you have a great company and help people with books, one of the things I want to ask you about is uh, how people build teams. But before I get to all that, my first question is usually: Are you a first generation entrepreneur, or did you were you inspired by mom or dad or grand?
2: Uh, I love this question. Uh, <laughs> this is actually my why is buried in this question. I grew up as the child of an entrepreneur. My dad is in the Hot Rod Hall of Fame. Um, he started his business at 16 building hot rods 1927 to 1934 Ford replicas and I grew up in a small business family. My, my mom and my sisters worked for my dad. I spent most of my childhood sorting nuts and bolts and uh, there are a bunch of things I loved about my dad's business. Um, I love that my dad always jumped out of bed at 7 a.m. every morning, ran out the door by 7 a.m. Like he was always excited to go to work. I loved that. But there are a bunch of things that I thought my dad did wrong. And my whole kind of purpose in life was to do business a little better than he did. So um, we hit my dad's top number was 22 employees and 5 million in revenue. And we did that two years ago. And it was a big turning point for me because I had proven I could surpass what my dad did in 35 years in five years. And I know a lot of that is because I'm a child of an entrepreneur. I was able to just leapfrog over a lot of things because my dad was an entrepreneur.
1: So I love how your dad jumps out of bed at 7 o'clock, very excited to go to work. You know, it's one of the things I used to talk about. I'm a very early riser. I, I now sleep in till about 6 o'clock at least, being on the boat. But um, I'd always get up early, and it didn't matter to me. I never had that dreaded Sunday evening, oh, crap, it's Monday. I'm like, all right. So even if I was trying to turn off my entrepreneurial brain over the weekend, I'm like, ah, oh, back to it. Let's get building. So did you really feel – I'm just curious if you had a big family. Was he like hustling out of bed to make a living or was he really excited about his business?
2: He's just really, my dad to this day wakes up early and works on hot rods and he's 78 years old. He lives in Palm Coast, Florida. I was just with him last weekend. And the first thing he did is took me out in a new car that he just put together. An old new car that he put together. He, wow. he does, and I, my dad fell in love with cars at 12 years old. And started his business at 16 and I just grew up thinking everyone between the ages of 12 and 16 finds what they're passionate about and what they love most in the world and then they go do it and make lots of money and my dad always made lots of money building cars for people and I just knew I would find the thing I loved and make lots of money doing that and nothing else I even considered
1: I love when uh, people have uh, entrepreneurs in their life, because I think one of the, not, not to get on a I don't know, political road, but you know, there's, I think our education that it needs to teach there's an option besides going from high school to college to W2 job. You know, yeah. there is such a thing as self-employment and you know, all these different things. So I think it's, what a blessing that you had that. Now, when you, did you, did you end up going to college or did you, Go right from high well, school to entrepreneurship.
2: Against my father's wishes. So my dad's rule was you could only go to college or he would only pay for college if it was required for what you wanted to do. So if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, like he was fine, or if you want to be, you know, something, an accountant, something that required college, I went to college for journalism. So this did not meet my father's criteria. Luckily, I got a full tuition scholarship. So, uh, so that helped a little bit. Um, but he definitely, I didn't grow up thinking um, that college was inevitable. He is not a huge fan of college. I won't say he's against it. But he definitely thinks more people go to college than need to. So I thought about it very carefully. And I was very entrepreneurial in college. Uh, I wrote other people's term papers.
1: (laughs) Oh, man, (laughs) that's cool. (laughs) It's true. I love that. So when did you start the author incubator? How did that how did that uh, creation happen?
2: Yeah, I started the Author Incubator in February of 2013, but um, since I was in college, I was writing, so getting paid to write. I really did get paid $10 a page to write people's term papers and then very quickly went into the world of publishing um, even before I graduated from college and worked as an editor and a freelancer and a ghostwriter for about 19 years before I started the Author Incubator and really... um, It it kind of started itself. I went to an event and there happened to be a lot of people at the event that were writing books and they all ended up hiring me at the same time and it kind of turned into a business before my eyes. I had other clients. I was doing technology books, Um, but the event I went to was all life coaches and they were looking to write books to help them build their business. And so I was able to use my skills and knowledge from writing technology books. I was generating about 2,000 leads a month for software companies. And I was able to apply that to these life coaching businesses and help them write books that would generate upwards of 10 to 20 clients a month at five to $10,000 a month. And very quickly, my authors were making $100,000 a month and doing things nobody else in life coaching was doing because I kind of borrowed my knowledge from the software world.
1: If So, we'll uh, wrap up the whole book part of this. I really want to get to the team thing. I'm really fascinated with that. It's not enough people go that way. They just work themselves to death. But... Um, For the few people on the planet that don't know why would an entrepreneur or a small business owner want to have a book or Angela? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, to me, the biggest thing is the book is really um, the best lead magnet there is. It shows off who you are and what you do and why people would want to hire you. It will give you confidence. It's the best social proof in the world. Um, that you're committed to what you do and an expert in what you do. And it gives people a chance uh, to get to know you before they make a financial investment with you. So especially if you're a coach or a consultant or any sort of expert that's charging for your knowledge, it's pretty much table stakes to have a book. Um, Our authors, we have kind of a floor of $1,000. So if you're charging $1,000 or more Um, for your time. It's great. If you're doing something that's more low ticket, like $7 a month or something like that, I think there are other methods that are better than books. But if you're going to charge a high price for your expertise, having a book is non-negotiable.
1: That's a really good way to look at it. You know, I think so many entrepreneurs, they try and grow a six or seven figure business, you know, with, with a $500 budget, you know,
2: <laughs> yep. you
1: know I, I, one of the things I tell people is why are you expecting paid traffic results with a free, free traffic mentality or free traffic? Yes,
2: mentality? I love that sentence. I'm stealing that. It's exactly All right, I'll
1: steal yours. I'll steal yours. You steal mine. Sure. Um, so I was looking on Amazon because I figured, well, she helps people write books. She must be an author herself. And sure enough, and I see quite a theme here. So make them beg to publish your book. Make them beg to be your client. And your latest book is called Make Them Beg to Work for You. Um, tell me about that last one, make them beg to work for you.
2: Well, what happened is I have used my book to attract clients and very quickly was sold out in my business. But all the things I had been doing as a freelancer without a book alone for 19 years, I suddenly couldn't do alone. And I thought I could just pay people and I would give them money and they would do a good job for me. And somehow this didn't work, which seemed like a travesty of justice. I tried paying them more. I tried paying them less. I tried paying more people in the field. I tried paying fewer people at a high rate. You know, I'm like, what if I just paid everybody $100,000? And it didn't seem like the money lever was generating the results. I thought it should. And so I had to figure out how to unlock that mystery because I had so many clients coming in. We've been sold out for six years straight and have continually grown our business. We've gone uh, from just me to 44 employees now that are full-time W-2 employees. And uh, I no longer have a job here. I worked myself right out of a job. And what I learned was, the only way to get great employees is not focused on money so much as what is the win-win, what is the outcome for the employee beyond their paycheck that's gonna make them work as hard for you as you work in your own business. So it's getting into the psychology of prospective employees and understanding what are the problems in their life Other than bills that are solved by this job,
1: so I'm so curious about one of the titles of your chapter. But you're gonna have to help me out here. Chapter three in that book is called "Ending Dick Centric Business Building Tactics." (laughs)
2: Look, you just jump right in there, right? So a lot (laughs) of this book is about how all of the books that I read, and they're the same ones you read, I bet. So. Top Grading, E-Myth, Rocket Fuel, Good to Great, all these amazing business books were written by men running businesses using old techniques that I have found no longer work with millennials of any gender. So this isn't about man bashing at all. I'm the mom of a boy. I love men. But the old techniques, which are set up in this hierarchical style, where someone tells you what to do, and they give you money for it, and you do it, they don't work with millennials. And so people managing millennials get really mad, and they're like, millennials are so entitled. And I'm like, yeah, you know what they're entitled to? Loving their job. And why wouldn't you want everyone in the world to love their job? I want everyone to love their job. I don't want people working for me that don't love their job. I don't want people with my clients that don't love their job. And millennials are 100% entitled to it. It's not about money. Like a lot of people complain millennials are entitled to money. Millennials will just charge a crazy price because they're like, you got to really make it worth my while if you want me to give up my time. But millennials will actually also work for less than any other generation because they're not doing it for the money. There has to be a deeper purpose behind why they will commit their time. And so what I mean by the Dick-centric practices are, I'm going to say to you, I'm the one in charge, I'm going to give you money, and you're going to do a good job. And that, sadly, no longer works.
1: Hmm. You know, it's interesting, the whole – a multi generational piece, and we could do a whole show on that. Um, my wife and I recently started a YouTube channel for our whole floating home, sort of name of our boat, and, and she answered a question that some of somebody posted, like, "How do you choose to live in a small space?" Blah blah blah, and she just said, without even thinking, she goes, "We choose to live with less to experience more,"
2: mm. and.
1: And so many people I would say millennials, young people that that like that we meet in our travels, they really relate to that. It's interesting how you know i'm sixty two so people my age you know you, you go to school, you get a house, you get married, you have kids, you get a job, you get retired, right There's that whole life, but it's different with millennials. They really want to experience more, and they don't want to be in a job for thirty years.
2: Right. They don't even think of it that way. They will be in a job for 30 years if it continues to fulfill their purpose. So we actually, one of the things we start with in our interviews of employees is asking them to tell us when they'll leave our company and why. So if this was the best experience of your life, when will be your last day and what will be in your resignation letter? How will you leave and why will you leave? And they can tell you a lot of times they want to be there for a year and learn some stuff and move on. Sometimes people want to be there for 10 years. Sometimes people will tell you their next goal is to get pregnant. And so they want a job for the next 18 years. And that's my finance manager. She's like, I've got a baby and I've got a five-year-old and I want to be here until both my kids are out of school. And then I've had other people come in and say, I want to travel the world and I want to save up money and so I'll give you two years and here's how much I need to save up and here's how I'm going to do it. And you can actually start with the end in mind. You can know, hey, this person's going to leave in two years and sometimes it changes. So I had somebody this year who um, was with us for four years and at the beginning of each year, I asked them to update their plans about when they're leaving and why. And he was like, I'm going to leave at the end of this year and move to Colorado. A bunch of my friends live there and then fell in love with a girl actually on our staff and uh, then came back to me and said, hey, I don't want to go to Colorado anymore. Uh, I fell in love. I want to stay here. I'm going to move in with my girlfriend. And he's just been promoted to a bigger job inside the company because now our interests are aligned totally differently. So it's
1: question about. I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm in awe of that question. Was that yours? Did you come up with that? I did. Oh my God, that is brilliant. My my hat is off to you. That is such a brilliant question. One of the things I used to, in my early days in retail and I was a regional manager, so I hired an awful lot of people, but um, I'm talking 25, 30 years ago. One of the things I used to ask is what excites you most about this position? And then what worries you most? And they always cock their head and go, hmm. Then you know, but then it's amazing what what they they will share some of the things, and then you can I think work to alleviate those or fix those or adjust the training so those things don't
2: happen. Right, exactly, and and not just the training, but the onboarding. Like most people are not brought into organizations like they don't start off on the right foot. It's really like a marriage or a family. Like if you were adopting a kid, you wouldn't just throw them into the family. There would be you know, you would there would be introductions, there would be a process and I just find most people don't have the tools for their job to be anything other than a paycheck. We don't set right. that up and we don't take responsibility. If you take responsibility for that. And it doesn't have to be full-time W2 employees by the way. This works with contractors as well. But if you take responsibility for creating a safe environment for People who you are bringing into your orbit to service your dream, then they will produce for you in ways you never thought possible before. But it's really taking that responsibility. And most of us don't want to do that. We want the money to solve the problem for us. We want to just be like, I'll just pay you, do the job. I've seen you do this job for other people. I saw your examples. Why can't you just do a good job for me?
1: (laughs) Right. You know, my wife, before she retired, ran a pretty large daycare center. And one of the rules was you can't be on your phone, you know, when you're watching children. Obviously, I mean, it makes sense, right? But it's funny. She would have people that are late 20s, early 30s, and all the way up to 50 and 60-somethings in the in the mul- multiple classrooms. And that rule, whenever she had to announce it, reinforce it, whatever, the older people understood it. The young people look at you like, what? I can't have my phone in my hand, you know? It's just different how people are grown up.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, and and being honest is. I think it's a. I think it's really a lost art. You know, honesty in the workplace is very rare. Most people show up in a persona of who they think they should be. They talk in like a fake voice, and they're not honest about what's important to them. And I've found just by encouraging. By doing it myself, by setting the example of bringing my whole self and my mistakes and my frailties and the wholeness of me, that it creates an environment where my employees can be more honest about what's really going on with them. Like they don't have to pretend everything's fine at home. They don't have to pretend they're not having money problems. And then we can fix anything if we have honesty. But if we're all bullshitting each other all day long, I don't want to work in that company either.
1: So, um, oh my gosh, the clock is, I told you I was going to love this conversation. Um, (laughs) Chapter 10 is called Letting Go. And for me, I work with a lot of newer to, you know, uh, six-figure entrepreneurs. And that's when it's like, okay, I finally need to hire somebody, either virtually or otherwise. And they have such a hard time letting go because nobody can do it as good or as fast or as cheap as I can. So is is that what that chapter is about?
2: Well, that chapter is really about firing people, but this year I had to fire myself and that is related. So um, here's the deal. I will say this very honestly to my employees too. Every single job in this company with one exception, which is our um, graphic design, I am better than every employee at every job. I'm the best salesperson in the company. I'm the best copywriter in the company. I'm the best editor in the company. I'm the best coach in the company. I am the best project manager in the company. I am hands down the best office manager. I can order coffee like nobody's business. I'm amazing at it. I'm the best event manager in the company. There is the only job I don't do as well as Michelle, our art director, uh, is design. And I'm an okay cover designer. I'm actually maybe better than our cover designer who has 20 years experience. I just can't quite do the graphic design as well as Michelle does. But pretty much every job I do better, except I can't do 44 jobs and have my dream turn into a reality. I will be crazy. I won't have time with my family. And there's just no way, there are not enough hours in the day to get everything done. So it's totally irrelevant. So I don't need to prove it to anyone. That's why this is my company, because I'm better at everything than everyone. But I have slowly fired myself from every role, and, and the biggest piece of that is carving off roles. I didn't know this, but I was doing 44 different jobs. I was doing the jobs that it takes what I was doing alone, it takes 44 people to do. And if I remove repeat jobs, like we have six editors it's still 31 unique roles that I was playing. And that's like, that's a series of me firing myself. I've now fired myself from almost every job. And there's one job left I do that I fired myself in June from. And I just had a six month, uh, six month notice period. So My last day at work is the last day of this year. I gave myself six months to finish the final job I do in the business, but I slowly handed off each piece of what I do.
1: And what are you gonna do on January 1st?
2: I need to teach people how to fire themselves from their own business. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. the most amazing feeling. I'm really, I don't have to work, anymore. Um, So my business has, uh, we do about 1.5 million a month in revenue, and we've got about a 30% margin. Um, So as the owner of the business, I will always have that revenue source. My goal is for the business to long outlive me um, for hundreds of years and be passed on um, through my estate and also as a A partially employee-owned company. I'm setting up an ESOP, which is super exciting. And I want other people to know that if they want their dream to become a reality, they have to know how to build teams that care as much or more as they do about the outcome and that that's possible. So that's my next big horizon is just uh, teaching this and sharing this with a few people um, and enjoying watching the business run without me.
1: Well, good for you. You know, when I was 41 years old, um, I got cancer and for two months prior to my surgery, I didn't know if my chances being around in five years were 80, 20 or 50, 50. And that's part of what drives me today. You know, where I, I still work, I work on the boat, but it's like, I don't, I don't want to wait until some mythical period where I can enjoy life. So we just decided, you know, almost three years ago, we sold our house, we bought this big boat, we travel around and we, and we experience life. And I applaud you for doing that. I, I know you're nowhere near as old as I am, but I applaud you for, for living life and not just, you know, growing 10 more businesses or whatever. Um, I think life is to be enjoyed every day.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm 46, I have a 13 year old and I built the business really so that I could, be around for him and be engaged. And I've been able to do that. I think the flexibility of being a business owner is amazing. So I've never missed anything of his that I wanted to be at. Um, But I've also worked really hard. And I think it'll be fun, um, fun to kind of share that in a way that's not driven as closely by the monthly sales numbers that I've been living by for the last six years.
1: Yeah, and and he's going to need more of you. He won't admit it, but for you to be around more for the teenage years is a really healthy thing, so I think that's great. By the way, um, I have four kids, two boys, and two twin daughters. One of my daughters, um, I believe, is how we got connected, Jessica Rhodes, um, founded Interview Connections.
2: Wow, that's fantastic. Well, she's an amazing entrepreneur, Um, so now I know your generational entrepreneurship lives on.
1: There's that question answered next time I get interviewed or next time she gets interviewed. So anyway, Angela, I love, I love, love, loved our conversation. I'm going to share it. It'll be out in about three weeks. I'll let you know when it goes live, but I'm also, I also, um, once a month, I put out an interview to my no hassle newsletter clients and things like that. I'm going to make this, that featured featured interview. So I'll share with them the MP3 and I have it transcribed. So I want them to... uh, meet you so for the other people who are not in the no hassle family how can they connect with you where do you want them to go to learn more about you
2: yeah so the author incubator.com is the best way to learn about us and if you go to the library at the author com, you will find all of my books available for free of course you could buy them on amazon but if you want the pdf version at no charge you can grab it right from the authorincubator.com slash the dash library.
1: Awesome. Angela, thank you so much. I wish you all the best.
2: Hey, thanks for having me, Captain Jim.
1: Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Dr. Angela Lauria. You've got to get to know her. Go read her books. I mean, I, th- I think she's fabulous. I love what she's doing with her business. She's obviously got a lot on the ball. You can learn a lot from her. Um, if you've been only listening to my podcast, you're not connected with me any other way, which would be a huge faux pas, you can connect with me at GetJimPalmer.com. I have a free Facebook group, Build Your Dream Business Now. And I think that's it. Yes. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care.